It's that time of the week, folks. It is a Finance Friday with our own Lindsey Crosby of Mid-South Bank. What is this week's topic? So it's something timely. We've heard a lot of discussion about it recently. So it is minimum wage and the history of the minimum wage and what we're going to do with it. Whoever came up with this topic was really, really aware of what was happening going on right now. Zach says that because it was him. Yeah. This is his idea. Yeah. We have a little conversation every week, and I'm like, is there anything specifically you want to hear? And he's like, yeah, I want the minimum wage talk. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right. So uh, the very first minimum wage – or I'm sorry, the very first legislation that involved a wage, I'll give you a dollar if you can guess the century. Uh, I will guess the 19th, 1900s. The Ordinance of Laborers in 1349. I was off by a few hundred years. Yes. Wow. Here's the thing. It didn't set a minimum wage. It set a maximum wage. Interesting. What was was it set at? So in fall 1348 was the Black Death going through England. Mm. And so... Wow, this really is topical. This really is topical, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The Black Death. Mm -hmm. And And so... History repeats itself, fam. (laughs) When you are... (laughs) When you're a a wealthy landowner, you need people to to work your property. So, you know, you need serfs. And the supply of laborers was so low that they actually instituted a maximum wage. Now, that eventually became uh, the statute of laborers in 1389, which fixed wages to the price of food. Okay. So, like, you had to, like, you had to be able to, like, what you paid a person had to be able to allow them to afford food for their family. Now, from there, King James I in 1604 passed the Act Fixing a Minimum Wage. That was the name, um, which set the set minimum wage for a for an industry textile workers um, as you as you go on that eventually actually got repealed um, late 1800s is when you start to see minimum wage regulation come into play Australia and New Zealand first the United States passes it in 1938 uh, it's the Fair Labor Standards Act is the name of the bill it was actually introduced by a fellow from Alabama Clay County Alabama's Senator Hugo Black Introduced that into Congress. Hugo. Uh, Hugo Black ended up, he was no longer in Congress when they finally passed it because he was on the Supreme Court where he served for 34 years. So that's cool. But it was 25 cents an hour. Uh, It it went up the next year, 1939, to 30 cents an hour and then became 40 cents an hour after World War II. Um, Right now, it is at 7.25 an hour. It has been there since 2009. And so there's a lot of conversation about... Uh, President Biden has proposed raising it to $15 an hour, um, and so I just kind of want to give some of the, some of the information about it, uh, kind of both directions. This is one of the most studied and debated topics in economics, and so if you're looking for evidence to support a specific conclusion about if it's good or bad, you can find it. So what I tried to do, and I don't know if, if you can hear this, but that's like 60 pages of research that I went through Thursday afternoon just trying to read everything and kind of have an idea um, of the effects of a minimum wage. Right. So, okay. All right. So right now, seven twenty-five an hour. Um, that translates to $15,080 a year. Now, a lot of the research talks about minimum wage versus a poverty wage versus a living wage, and you're trying to figure out where to put the minimum wage. So a poverty wage is defined as – like a basic standard of living. It is no luxuries at all, no savings. We're not factoring any sort of significant transportation or housing costs. It is literally the price of 
subsistence-only food Mm -hmm. from USDA, um, defined as $12,880. So it's even less than minimum wage. But this is like the bare minimum you need to survive. Okay. Okay. And then a living wage is the is the defined as the amount necessary to cover basic living expenses, including child care, a car, housing being at thirty percent of your income for a market rate rental apartment, things like that. And the living wage nationally is calculated to be about eleven dollars and twenty three cents an hour. Okay. So um now that's again that's a national average. You look at Lee County. I pulled the numbers for just Lee County. It's gonna be lower. Minimum exactly. Minimum yeah. wage in Lee County, obviously seven twenty five an hour. Right. Same as this nationally. The poverty wage is about six dollars an hour. A living wage is about ten dollars and ninety six cents an hour for the Lee County you know metro area. Sure. Um, by comparison, Birmingham it's about eleven dollars eighty eight cents an hour. Atlanta is about thirteen sixty two, and New York is a really stupid high amount. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's like twenty seven dollars. Sure. Right. Um, but what's interesting about this minimum wage is right now, 29 states plus D.C. have a state minimum wage that's higher than the federal minimum. And it covers how, how many? 29 states plus D.C. Wow, that's more than I would have guessed. It covers 60% of all workers. So yeah. 60% of all workers live somewhere that have a minimum wage that's already above 725. Mm-hmm. Because states have the ability to set something higher you can't set anything lower than the floor of 725 unless you're exempt from FLSA and there's a couple small sure things in there um, what do they typically set to around so so the the average comes out to somewhere between nine and eleven dollars if you take those 29 states plus DC yes the average is somewhere in there so it's not yeah. quite 15 the highest that I've seen for a in, for an entire state is the state of Washington is close to but not quite to $15 an hour. There's local municipalities in states that have higher. I think San Francisco is like fifteen fifty nine. I don't know a municipality could set that. Uh, depending on the state's constitution, I believe in Alabama you don't have the ability without the state legislature voting on it, but mm-hmm. in other states you can. Okay. Um, San, San Francisco is actually that weird amount because they set it to $15 an hour and then they indexed it to inflation. So every year it automatically adjusts based on what inflation has done. Interesting. Um, I mentioned 29 states plus D.C. have that higher minimum wage. 23 of them either already do or will soon begin indexing to inflation. Um, About 30% of people live somewhere where the the minimum wage is close to or at $15 an hour already. Surprising stat to me. And I think a big part of that is simply because there's so many people that live in larger metro areas, right? And a lot of those larger metro areas, like the San Francisco's and the New Yorks and the Chicago's, have already passed local ordinances to raise minimum wage. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. But there's a whole proposal about moving it to $15 an hour. Um, I pulled a report from the Congressional Budget Office, a nonpartisan report from the nonpartisan office that talked about the pros and cons of doing it, and I'm very excited to talk about it. After the break, you heard it. That's Lindsey Crosby. This is a Finance Friday on Auburn Opelika this morning. It's a Finance Friday here on Auburn Opelika this morning. Lindsey Crosby, Mid South Bank. All right, we're talking about the history and just kind of the overall, uh, you know, uh, a look at the, the the conversation surrounding the minimum wage. Yes, uh, the current proposal uh, from the current administration is fifteen dollars an hour, 
And so, again, I went through, I read this 50-whatever page report last night, uh, pulled up a bunch of other stuff, some research to try to figure out what it was going to do. So uh, there's pros and cons, obviously, like there is to everything. Yeah. The proposal is moving to $15, and it would go in increments. So it would be six annual increments. It would take six years to get there. And then once it got to 15 it would be indexed not to inflation but to the median hourly wage in the country. So the idea is if the average – like if the median wage were to go up year over year, minimum wage would automatically the next year adjust by a portion of that percentage. So it wouldn't grow as much as the average wage did, but it would go up a little bit. And just to try to help it keep track, and the idea is they want to make it automatic and not make us – have a vote in Congress every single time we need to adjust it. Okay. Okay. Now, this this report came out to, again, pros and cons. Uh, one of the pros is they said 17 million workers would get a pay raise that would bring them up to $15 an hour. And another 10 million workers who in, whose incomes are just above $15 an hour would also see an increase in pay. So 27 million workers would make more money. So that's that's one of the pros. What's the the folks making just over 15? Why would they go up more? So historically, when they looked back at the research, whenever minimum wage has been raised, employers have gone to the people who were making just above minimum wage and looked at the distance that they were above minimum wage and have maintained that separation as they increase their income. So it's like if you're making a dollar over minimum wage, historically, your employer's likely to give you a pay raise to keep you at that above minimum wage rate. Got it. Yeah. Um, that would have the function of taking people who are in poverty. So they're making, you know, they're they're a one-person family making 12880 and that gets bigger with your family size, mm -hmm. uh, would bring 1.3 million people out of poverty. It would increase their income by about 5.2%. Okay. So okay. That's, that's some of the positives that comes from this. Obviously, there are negatives that come from this. Uh, the Congressional Budget Office studied and said that about 1.3 million people would lose employment if the minimum wage went up. Uh, that comes out to about 0.8% of the workforce. Um, but the reason for that is because this would reduce business income. Um, and this would raise prices, which typically then get passed on to consumers. So when you lose, you know, 1.3 million people lose their jobs, on the net, you have raised income for people who were in that lower, that, that lower income quartile. But that, some of that is offset by people who lose their jobs. Um, people who are above the poverty line, on average, would see 0.1% decrease to their income. So if you are above the poverty line, by raising minimum wage, you would lose about 0.1% of your income as a result of increased prices. Okay. So there's pros and cons. And if you think about it, really, this is taking income from, from business owners and from consumers, and this is moving that income down to the lower wage earners. So that's why their income goes up and yours goes down because you're paying all the extra prices, but you're not receiving the benefits of a higher wage. Uh, now, that really kicks in when you get to six times the poverty level, so about $75,000. If you make over $75,000, you, you lose about half a percent of your income, mm. whereas if you're making $40,000, you lose 
it, it it scales. The more you make, the more like the more that has an impact on you. Okay. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is this does also they believe this would also would increase tax revenue. Found that interesting, and this is actually the argument behind why they think this can work through reconciliation. The way reconciliation works in Congress is uh, anything that is proposed for reconciliation has to affect the deficit. And the belief here is, and this has to be tested still, but the belief is when you raise the minimum wage, they've seen it actually results in an increase in tax revenue because consumption goes up. When you give money to lower wage earners, they historically spend a higher percentage of their take-home pay than does somebody in a medium or high-income job. Uh, so the belief is increased consumption is going to increase tax revenues, and then you're able to decrease government spending on assistance programs, so food stamps, Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program, things like that. Um, this has never really been tested before. Uh, the way it works for reconciliation is it is entirely up to the Senate parliamentarian, and if they rule that this is not deficit-related, because the federal government doesn't employ enough workers to be materially affected. Over 10 years, the federal government would have to spend only $76 million in additional wages over 10 years, which is literally a drop in the bucket to the government. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's pocket change to the U.S. government. So that'll be the big question is, is it, does it work through reconciliation? Does it need to be a standalone bill? Uh, we don't know, but there's pros and cons of making, of making a minimum wage increase. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Thank you for uh, putting that into about 15 minutes or so of uh, information so we all don't have to read that 60-page packet you brought in. Yeah, I um, I did read that uh, during <laughs> during dinner, actually, so that was um, that was fun for my family. Does your wife hate me? <laughs> um, only sometimes. Great. Only sometimes. Well, that's fantastic. That's just yes. great to hear. That's hey, Jonathan, any questions? Uh, no, that was actually really interesting, though. I actually enjoyed that a lot. Cool. Thanks. I like that he put actually in there. Like yeah. he wasn't expecting well, to enjoy yeah. it, and then yeah. he did it. I mean, it's finance. It's well, not. Yeah, right. But normally Finance Friday wouldn't be like, I wouldn't necessarily be engaged in it, but that was actually something I was interested in. I really appreciated that. I got you, buddy. I love it when we just randomly bring Jaws in, because people are like, is Jaws there? Is he just yeah. sitting in the corner right Nine now? Nine times out of ten, yes. Yeah. Just, just, just assume that I'm in the room. Yeah, he's always here. Yeah. He's always here. Where can people find you for more finance things? I'm at MidSouth Bank. Call me, 334-521-6009. Sweet. Another Finance Friday in the book. Stay tuned. This is Auburn Opelika this morning.